0: Let's welcome Goodchop and thank them for supporting Disturbed. Go to goodchop.com disturbedpod120 and use code disturbedpod120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes.
1: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
2: This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised.
3: I also just want to know what the fuck happened to my damn mind, body, existence in those moments. The only thing I wish is that we knew what time it was and how long it lasted. It felt like it was slow and fast at the same time. I, I don't know, man. Weird-ass shit.
4: He could have been arrested by now. But as far as I know, he hasn't been. I'm not sure if he had any violent intent or not. But I hope I never have to find out.
0: From Killer Podcasts. True tales of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. the show. This week, we're bringing you four true stories that will chill you to the bone. So sit back, listen closely, and dive into the horror. Our first story comes to us from Reddit user Creaky Tits, Narrated by Elizabeth Flood, we are confronted by an unreasonable request from an unreasonable interrogator
5: this week has been hectic my three kids have the flu the oldest was first then my younger two caught it after a visit to the clinic i was heading to the cvs down the street from our house for their prescriptions i decided at the last minute to drop my kids off at home with their dad so they could rest and i could go inside the store to pick up some pedialyte i consider our neighborhood to be safe i've taken walks after dark and never felt afraid Most of our neighbors are older folks who have lived there over a decade. When I pulled up to the CVS, I parked on the side parallel to our street. It's darker on that side, but the entrance is right around the corner and well lit. There was a man standing outside. He walked in front of my car, and I could hear him talking, but my music was kind of loud. I figured he was on his phone or something. No real red flags yet. My husband called me as the man walked back toward the corner adjacent to the entrance. I got out of my car, still on the phone, telling my husband, yeah, kiddos have the flu, I'm picking up medicine at the CVS, etc. In a very pleasant voice, the man says to me, hey, I got a question for you, you know where Main Street is? I, assuming he is asking for directions or the location of something, tell him I do. I'm still holding my phone to my ear. It's in a bright pink case, so I'm sure he could see it. Now this man is standing directly in front of me. There is a pillar and a trash can behind him. Around the corner is a propane cage and a red box against the store's wall. Getting past him would put me in arm's reach. Next, he asks for a ride there, to a homeless shelter. It's very cold outside, and he doesn't want to freeze. I empathized with him but said I couldn't. I offered to buy him gloves and or a blanket and to ask if an employee in the store could assist in finding him a ride. This guy's face instantly changed to pure rage. Then, right back to Pleasant. Well, you know what happens to homeless people stuck outside. You're going to help me. It's right down the street. I'm standing there, unsure what to do. My husband is on the phone asking what's going on. I gently tell the man that I don't feel comfortable doing that and that I have the flu. I don't. And my husband is on the phone with me. I don't care about the flu. Now he's getting more angry and not moving away from my route into the store. I didn't want to turn my back on him to go back to my car, which was several feet away in the dark. While this guy is glaring at me, I decide to quickly walk past him. I had my mask from the clinic in my jacket pocket, so I pulled that out and held it in front of me while I moved towards the trash can. He looked disgusted, but kept telling me I needed to give him a ride. It's right down the street, he insisted. But I know where that street is, and it's not as close as he says. He tried to guilt me, and his words felt threatening, but he didn't actually threaten me verbally. Once I was around the corner, I rushed into the store straight to the pharmacy. My husband said he's calling the police. He heard the way the man was talking to me and said to stay in the store. My knees were shaking. I'm not usually the type to be so afraid when confronted. When I got to the pharmacy, I interrupted the pharmacist and a customer, apologizing, then told them what happened. The pharmacist sent the store manager out tall guy with a long beard looked like he didn't take crap from people. The police had already arrived. The man was told to leave, which he did momentarily. He came back inside the store yelling obscenities and something about me. Now the store manager has told him to get the fuck out. He's trespassing on the property. The cop came back to talk to me and told me she has arrested him many times. He's loud and likes to yell at people, but he isn't violent. The pharmacist had me hiding behind the screen where they give vaccines and left the half-door to the pharmacy cracked open in case I needed to get out of there. The cop had also told me this guy's first and last name, as did the store manager. Is that normal? The prescriptions are finally filled and I leave the store. The police parked next to my car to keep an eye on me. Oh, and the man refused to ride from the cop to the shelter. Later, I looked him up. His name is unique, so he was easy to find online. Surprise, surprise, he has a long record spanning three states and several counties. Tons of public intoxication charges, DWI, urinating in public, assault and battery, and indecent exposure. I also looked up the homeless shelter. Yeah... As I thought, there isn't one where he wanted me to take him, but that area is super sketchy. Earlier today, I went to the corner store across from the CVS and told my friend, the overnight shift employee, what happened. She kicks him out of the store and calls the police every time she sees him because he yells at and threatens customers. But he always takes off before the police arrive. I know I could have handled that better, I was blindsided by his instant shift from pleasant to filled with rage. Big thank you to the pharmacy team who kept me safe and the store manager for confronting the creep. They didn't have to do all of that. I'm thankful my husband recognized I was in an unsafe situation over the phone. This man is still out there, somewhere in my area.
0: Our next story is a reminder that you can never really know people. And sometimes, it's better that you don't.
2: So, I came across some information about an old friend that has left me, as the kids say nowadays, shooketh. I'd like to apologize in advance if I seem overly sarcastic. Humor is my defense mechanism. When I was an angsty teenager, I moved in with my mother and stepdad to escape a less-than-desirable situation. Because of the move, I was enrolled in a new school— this school was located in one of the sketchiest neighborhoods in the city. Everyone who resided in that area was relatively low-income, my family included. We had a rec center near the school that was a hot spot for, let's call, undesirables. Primarily teenage boys who would wander over from the nearby high school to catcall girls walking by. Lunchtime was my favorite. I absolutely loved going outside for chow and having sweaty teenage boys asking for the nasty. Anyway... During my time at my shitty school, I made an array of friends. And there was one person who became my best friend. Let's call her Blondie. She and I didn't have the healthiest of relationships, in hindsight. I was a people pleaser, and she took advantage of that. Blondie was nice enough, but she was problematic. Regardless, we were fast friends and thus began our very short-lived friendship. Over the school year, she mainly came over to my house since I was an only child. We usually had the house to ourselves while my folks were at work. She finally invited me to her house around the middle of the school year. I was super excited. I had always wanted to meet her family since they were always such an enigma. Blondie wasn't one to divulge information about her home life, so all I knew was that she lived with her mother, stepdad, and younger sibling. I'm unsure if she was embarrassed or didn't care to share, but I finally had the honor of meeting them, and honestly, her family was amazing. They were kind and treated me very well, not to mention that her stepdad was a phenomenal cook, the best spaghetti and meatballs I've ever had. After that, I started going to her house more and more and really enjoyed it. Fast forward a month or two and it's Blondie's birthday. Her family was throwing a little get-together at their house and I was invited. So Blondie and I headed to her house right after school. It was a really fun time until the very end of the party. Now, I knew next to nothing about her biological father, I knew he wasn't really in the picture. He'd sometimes drop by and say hello, but I had never personally met him. That was until he had made a surprise visit to give Blondie a present. I could immediately feel a shift in the atmosphere at the party, even though I was a dumb kid. We were inside the living room eating some cake, and there was a knock at the front door. Blondie's mom answered, and her face, once filled with a smile, turned into a scowl. If looks could kill, this guy would be dead. She moved aside, and this man walked in. I'll never forget how everyone in the room got tense, except for Blondie, who excitedly greeted her dad. At the time, he seemed pretty normal, maybe a tad bit on the creepier side, but who am I to judge? Blondie introduced me to her father, and we shared some pleasantries. At one point, I was invited to get some ice cream with them the following day, which I, of course, accepted. I mean, I was getting free ice cream. Of course I was gonna say yes. He eventually left and we all go back to eating cake. I had honestly forgotten about the visceral reaction everyone had upon seeing him. Maybe if I remembered, I would have said no. The following day rolled around and I went for ice cream with Blondie and her dad. I can't remember much from that day other than him asking me if I had a boyfriend or girlfriend. It seemed innocent enough, but the way he asked it made me feel weird. I honestly can't remember much from my other encounters with this man. Nothing really jumps out at me. I know I went out with him and Blondie a few more times before my family moved to another city and we lost touch. Fast forward a few years and I'm attending college. I had managed to stay in contact with one person from my middle school days. Let's call her Teddy. She had reached out to me one day asking if I wanted to go to a movie, which I happily accepted. I was going through a rough patch as a pretty legit, depressive episode, so a movie trip with an old friend was just what I needed. I took the bus to a nearby mall and Teddy and I watched the movie. After, we headed to the food court and got some chow. We were catching up, it had been a couple years since we last saw each other, when Teddy suddenly perked up. She asked me if I had heard about Blondie's father, to which I said we hadn't been in contact since I moved. Teddy's jaw dropped, and what she told me next blew my mind. She informed me Blondie's father had murdered a woman. Now, Teddy didn't have any news articles or police reports or anything to back this story up. It was all word of mouth. She was told by a friend who heard it from someone else and so on. But what she told me wasn't actually far from the truth. According to her, Blondie's father had taken the life of a street worker. He got away with it for two years and his truck got him caught. Apparently there was something unique about it Teddy couldn't tell me much more because she genuinely didn't know. I remember going back to my dorm and trying to Google for more details, but I couldn't find a damn thing about it. Eventually, because I was discussing the craziest stories from my life with a friend recently, I suddenly remembered Teddy's story. After some renewed digging, I finally found an article that described the crime. I clicked on it, and when I saw the picture of the man, well, words can't describe what I felt. Everything Teddy told me was true, but it was so much worse than what she and I thought. Out of respect for the victim and her family, I won't describe what he did, but he was arrested three years after he had taken this woman's life. I can't find any information about how he was caught, but it had something to do with his truck. He was charged with manslaughter. He took a plea bargain and indignity to a body and only served seven years out of his 14-year sentence. He had served half already because he was in custody during the trial. I looked him up again not too long ago, and I learned some… unsettling information, which prompted me to write this post. He was released from prison a few months ago, and guess what? He killed another woman. From what I've read, it had similarities to the other murder he committed, but this time around, he's been charged with second-degree murder and indignity to a body. There's not a lot of information about the second woman, but both of his victims were mothers, and they were both cruelly taken from this world. I still can't wrap my mind around all of this. I met a monster. I was best friends with his daughter. I don't think I was personally in any danger, but the fact I met someone capable of such heinous crimes, it scares the living shit out of me. I can't even begin to imagine how Blondie must have felt after learning of her father's crimes.
0: You're listening to Disturbed. We'll be right back.
6: I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show, subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: How about it, everyone? You ever get that craving? I'm not the wolf, man but I'll be damned if I don't start howling for a good cut of steak. But going to the butcher that often, in this economy? Today's sponsor, Good Chop, is a lifesaver. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood with no antibiotics or added hormones, delivered to your door on your schedule. Go to goodchop.com disturbedpod120 And use code DISTURBEDPOD120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. I made the salmon and shrimp recently and was blown away at the quality of the seafood and at a truly impressive price point. Included in our box was fresh ground beef and delicious steaks to round out the healthy protein needs for a whole week for a whole family. And I can't wait to try all the other sustainable and wild-caught seafood. Salmon, Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. The products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So even if we don't finish, we can stock our freezer and cook whenever we want. Go to goodchop.com disturbedpod120 and use code disturbedpod120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code DISTURBEDPOD120 at goodshop.com slash DISTURBEDPOD120 for $120 off. Welcome back to the podcast. Our third story features narration by Dan Degro and sounds like a scene straight out of a horror movie. It starts with a mysterious knock
4: on the door. Last year, I moved to another city after finishing high school. I assessed several colleges and decided on one that would have me move roughly three hours. I found an apartment where I would be able to live without roommates and that was in a safe part of town with reasonable rent. It was close to some attractions in the city which was an added bonus to me as it would still allow me to have a reasonable social life. For the first four months or so, it was great. There were absolutely no problems or safety concerns of any sort, and I managed to become good friends with a guy who studied at the same college as me. He coincidentally lived around five minutes away from me, so we would often hang out at each other's place. One night, just as winter started, he called me over to play video games and hang out. We had a pretty chill night, drank a few beers, had a good few laughs, and enjoyed ourselves. At around 1 a.m., we decided to call it a wrap, and I headed home to my apartment. When I got home, I decided to head out to the balcony that overlooked the entrance of my building and smoke a cigarette. I vividly remember looking around and seeing absolutely nobody. It was a cold winter night. And it wasn't the weekend, so understandably everybody was at home. Besides the usual car or two passing by, it was dead quiet. Once I finished my cigarette, I decided to call it a night and got ready for bed. I was understandably confused when I heard a short ring on my doorbell. I stood in the center of my room for a solid few seconds as confusion and slight fear set in. I snapped out of it and decided to tiptoe to my door and to just try to hear if anyone was outside. My immediate thought was that my friend came over to drop off something that I might have forgotten, but he would have texted or called. I probably listened for half a minute or so when the person once again rang the doorbell and softly knocked a few times. I stood still and didn't want to make a sound so that I wouldn't give away the fact that I was at the door. That was when I decided to look through the people to see that he hopefully had left. I picked up the cover of the people and took a look. My legs pretty much went numb as I saw a hooded figure looking straight into the people. He was holding the zipper of his hoodie so as to cover his face and all I could really make out was his forehead and eyes. He must have either heard me lift the cover or my loud and heavy breathing because right away he moved from the people and said, I know you're at the door. By this point I was shivering in fear but mustered up the courage to say, I'm calling the cops, man. He laughed and said, sure thing, big guy. He proceeded to wipe away the door handle with his sleeve before walking off. I understandably called the police. When they came over, they informed me that I wasn't the only one. He'd been doing this for at least a month and they suspected him of at least one home invasion where a father chased him out of the house. I crashed at my friend's house for around a week or so after this before going back into my apartment. It's been a year, and I've never heard any news about him. He could have been arrested by now, but as far as I know, he hasn't been. I find it more likely that he simply moved to a different area. I'm not sure if he had any violent intent or not, but I hope I never have to find out.
0: Our final story comes from SiriusAd9704 and is narrated by Kat Carter. Sometimes, if you're in the wrong place, you can end up in the wrong time.
3: This was back in 2016 or 17. My friend and I were driving through a quiet, small neighborhood... It was a rainy day in the middle of the day and we were stone-cold sober. I feel like I need to say that to feel validated. We passed a street and I mentioned something about our friend Ashley recently moving to a house on that street. For the sake of the story, I think it was Fern Street. The next thing we know, we were at a three-way stop on the road. An older model olive greenish convertible was turning left off the cross street onto the street we were stopped at. The guy driving it had to jerk his wheel super hard to avoid hitting us as he made the turn. It was like he didn't see us until he was halfway into his turn. So I looked over at my friend and she was already looking at me. I looked back outside and did not recognize a damn thing. It was now a sunny day. Our entire surroundings were completely unfamiliar. My friend was like, I'm scared, where are we? And I kept asking her the same thing. I asked if she saw the car that almost hit us, and she had, but neither of us knew where we were or what was happening. Suddenly, everything became familiar again. It was like our entire surroundings morphed into a recognizable intersection, and I was like, oh my god, we are right near the Pier Inn, a bar we knew. The weather was rainy again, and we knew the exact intersection we were stopped at. I asked my friend what she remembered last, before we got to the stop sign, and she said she remembered me talking about Fern Street. That was the last thing I remembered, too. So we drove back to that street, and it was three blocks down the road. My friend hates being reminded of this day because it still scares the shit out of her. It haunts me because I'm so fascinated by that experience. But I also just want to know what the fuck happened to my damn mind, body, existence in those moments. The only thing I wish is that we knew what time it was and how long it lasted. It felt like it was slow and fast at the same time. I, I don't know, man. Weird-ass shit that I'll probably die trying to understand. And this is why I have FOMO about dying.
0: Disturbed is a production of Killer Podcasts, a part of the Evergreen Network. For more paranormal and true crime shows, visit killerpodcasts.com. Follow our social channels at Podcast on Instagram. Or disturbed underscore pod on Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and reviewing on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at disturbedpodcast.com. Music by Epidemic Sound and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Our producers are Noah Fouts and Elizabeth Flood. Our audio engineer is Nathan Corson. Executive producers, Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Till next time. Stay safe out there.
4: Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective.